You know, when I first started my photography business, I had absolutely no system in place. Everything I did was just scattered across notepads and digital files, texts, emails. It was just so overwhelming. So I decided to try a customer relationship management software. I tried systems like Tave and Dubsado and a ton of others only to realize that they fell short in so many critical areas. Then I found 17 Hats. 17 Hats is a super helpful CRM software that's going to make your business life a breeze. It's like your go-to tool for managing clients and projects and everything related to your small business. No more juggling a bunch of apps, it's all in one place. In addition to keeping all your clients and projects organized, you can set up automated workflows for email communications, quotes, invoices, questionnaires, all the way down to bookkeeping. I have so much more peace of mind these days knowing that nothing's going to get lost and everything I need to run my business is in 17 hats. Sounds pretty good, right? So here's the best part. Use the code STONETREE at checkout and you'll get 50% off your first year. Yeah, you heard me right. 50% off. So trust me on this one, it's a game changer for your business. Give it a shot and you'll thank me later. Check it out now, 17hats.com. Welcome back, friends. This week is special to me for a few reasons. For one, it's the first time I've had an in-person guest here in the new studio, and while there are still a lot of things I need to work out on the video side of the house, it was nice to be able to sit across from a guest and have that face-to-face -face conversation. Secondly, she is one of the most giving, talented, and compassionate people on the planet. My guest this week is Nora McCormick, a high-end wedding videographer here in Maine. I've known Nora for over a decade and can say with zero reservation that she is the reason I fell in love with videography and chose the creative arts as a career. She taught me the art of storytelling and how to create videos that make an emotional impact. Well before we met, she had already established a successful wedding video business called SP Films and was a studio manager for years at Outside Television. For some reason, which is still an unanswered question in my mind, she hired me to host a morning show for Outside TV back in 2015. I honestly still don't know why they let me on air, but despite that huge mistake, Nora is someone that has always had an insatiable desire for adventure and never thinks, well, that seems impossible. Everything is possible in her world. She'll describe herself as having a quirky personality, but it's not quirky. She just has a genuine passion to make everyone around her feel better about themselves. She's the type of person that no matter what they set their mind to, they make happen. Over the past few years, her adventures have become far more grandiose. While most people were huddled in their living rooms during the pandemic, Nora set off on a solo backpacking journey in Southeast Asia. Last year, she set her business aside completely and hiked over 2,000 miles from Georgia to Maine on the Appalachian Trail. You guessed it, alone. That time on the trail fundamentally changed her outlook on her entire life's purpose. She came back with a renewed passion to change her career path and base her business more on helping others rather than just making money. She's in the midst of setting up a 501c3 nonprofit in the wedding space called After Party, and I'm going to let her tell you all about it. There's no one I feel more at ease talking to, and I can't wait for you to hear her story. So let's get started with episode 25, which I'm calling Blazing the Trail to Your Ideal Life. And this is my very special guest, Nora McCormick. Nora, welcome to the new podcast studio. You're my first guest here, so if anything goes wrong, I'm going to blame it on you. That's fine. Cool. I'm a good scapegoat. Awesome. Mm -hmm. How's Portland? You've been down there a while now, a couple of years, right? Yeah, I moved. So I moved from Newry down to Portland in 2021 full time. Yeah. Um, I love it. Like I, I love being up here in Newry. I love the mountains. I love the people. But I also had a plan to not die alone. So I moved to Portland. <laughs> and it, it, all joking aside, it was just easier for work. Um, you know, otherwise I was traveling at least an hour and a half for for jobs. And, you know, if I can just make that commute a little bit easier and also get 
good food and see different humans and all of that. That's nice, too. <laughs> I'm like, keep telling me what that's like. Yeah, what's that what's like? What's the promised land like down in Portland? <laughs> all right. But I really haven't seen you a whole lot over the past year. You did the Appalachian Trail. I did. I did. I did that um, March 30th to September 15th of now, 2023. You gave up your business or stopped your business, right? Mm-hmm. So you were doing high-end wedding films and you've been doing that for 13 years and 16 16 years yeah wow yeah um, time flies <laughs> so tell me about like what that process was like just to make the decision going from i'm i've got this really successful business to i'm going to go walk in the woods for a couple of months mm-hmm. business has been going great um you know i started my business in 2008 And it was just kind of on an upward trajectory until COVID. Um, And then in 2020, I lost 90% of my business due to the pandemic. Um, So then in 2021, I had to take on basically twice as much work as I normally do to accommodate the rescheduled events on top of the organic bookings I already had. So I went from like no work in 2020 to twice as much as I normally take, which was wildly stressful and like took years off my life. And then going into 2022, I was already extremely burnt out from the year before. I didn't have that off season to recover. It was just, um, you know, editing and and chaos all through 2022. And in 2022, I also, I got into the high-end luxury wedding market, which was, it was, that was always a goal of mine in my business was to reach that level of clientele like celebrities athletes that sort mm-hmm. of that sort of client yeah. yeah so i was traveling you know i was traveling to california a, a few times i was taking on events just in different high end luxury markets sure. that i hadn't really had a lot of experience in before and i achieved that goal and i got there and i hated it I just, I stopped relating to my clients. Um, I became the hired help. You are not to be seen. And not everybody was like that. I have to say, like, I, in 2022, I had so many wonderful, amazing clients that I, I consider friends now. I keep in touch with. They were amazing. But it was just that other, you know, like the small handful. I don't want to say bad apples because they weren't bad. No, but-, but it was just, I got to a place that I was aspiring to get to. And I got there and I realized that it just wasn't for me. Yeah. So I was just, I was burnt out in that sense. And usually for my business, I book two years in advance. But with COVID, this was the first time that nobody was booking that far in advance because nobody knew what the climate would look like. So they didn't know how live events would take place. So then I found myself in 2022 for the first time since I started my business with a completely open calendar for a summer. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm taking the contact form off my website. I am letting all my clients know, like, I'm taking 2023 to myself. This is my midlife crisis. This is my life reset button. I'm not taking any jobs. And midlife crisis at, yeah. at 37. Oh yeah, no, I'm a well. I'm gonna be dead by 54. It's fine. Yeah, it was just the first the first time I had the ability to keep that calendar free. And hiking the Appalachian Trail has been on my bucket list since I was in high school. To finally have the time and financial ability to take that time off and um, and do that was it was it was awesome. And it was what I needed mentally as well to kind of figure out what my next steps in the business are. I remember you went through Southeast Asia a couple of years back, mm-hmm. right? And did that did that experience stimulate again the desire to go on the AT? Like was there was that part of that? I know you've always talked about doing the AT as long as I've known you. But I didn't know if the Southeast Asia trip was something that you were like, wow, I, I really enjoy this freedom and just being in my own head and no devices. And was that a stimulus to saying, all right, yeah, I can do this now in this part of my life? Or is it really just all the business that you were just explaining, just kind of going down? It seemed like the right time to do it. Well, since since I was in my late 20s, I'd say, um, I try to do one thing every year that pushes me wildly outside of my comfort zone. And in 2020, that was traveling, backpacking Southeast Asia by myself. What that was that for me that year. Um, And then so in 2023, I made 
hiking the Appalachian Trail, that thing for me that year. Um, so I wouldn't say it necessarily like sparked the motivation to actually follow through with doing the AT. It let me know that I can be super happy and wildly content with nothing but what I can carry on my back. That less is more and it just allows you to open yourself up to experiences that don't necessarily have to revolve around money or um, you know any type of status or anything like that. It's just you're you're just with yourself and meeting people and and you know you don't need a lot to be happy. Yeah you had mentioned in a conversation we had a couple weeks back that kind of stuck with me. You said everybody's equal on the trail. Mm-hmm. Like, can you go into that a little bit, like what you meant by that? And I think I got it, but I want to go in a little bit more in depth about what you saw in terms of the people you encountered, what they were like. I mean, you're doing this by yourself. You're not with a group of friends. Like, what was that whole experience like, both mentally and physically? I mean, physically, it's got to be a grind, but mm-hmm. mentally, where were you with this? I've been telling people the trail, it's 90% mental and 10% physical. It can be more challenging on your mind than it is on your body. I mean, my, my feet are, are fucked right now. <laughs> Am I allowed to swear on this? As cool. much as you want. All right. <laughs> Should have asked that beforehand. Like, you are in physical pain all the time, yeah. but... Um, as long as your mind is strong, then you you will have no problem hiking the trail. But that was that was one of, like one of the best parts about the trail for me. Like like you brought up is that everyone is on an even playing field. So no matter what your upbringing was, where you were in life, how much money you had in the bank, what you do for a career, what you don't do for a career, like you know whether you are a doctor a retired you know retired military whether you're homeless whether you are recovering from addiction um whether you just graduated high school like everybody is the same everybody is equal and everybody roots for one another everyone is supported and everybody wants the success of those next to them and that was the most beautiful part of the trail just complete strangers rooting for you that was, that was really cool and then, like, to come back to a fractured society where it seems like there's no good news. There's, you know, it's just to come back into a world where people are expecting things from you and there's, like, class, you know, societal class. And bleh, it was just, it was tough to come back to that and, like, to see what the world can be and then see, unfortunately, like, what we've kind of created as humans. It's, It's been... It's been a little up and down. How long did it take you on the trail to kind of start seeing that for yourself, right? So I got to believe that when you started, you know, I know you were traveling, you were traveling like hyper light, right? Like really light for the trail? No, um, not really. Um, So like people that are hyper, like that are ultra light backpackers, like their base weight will be like 10 pounds. Like they're... You know, they are shaving ounces. They're cutting the handles off their toothbrush to (laughs) save weight. Um, When I started, my start weight on my pack was 28 pounds. And I was very happy with that. But I met many people that had a base weight of 15 pounds and they were complaining that it was too much. So it's like, but then I also met someone that had a 70 pound pack. And that would be me. Their trail, their trail name was Kitchen Sink because they had everything except the kitchen sink. Um, I'd have a little red wagon behind me that I. That's smart. Yeah. Some people, I did see some wagons out there. Well, the, the question <laughs> I was going to ask was, all right, so I know you're traveling pretty light, and you didn't have like video cameras and all the gear that you're used to mm-hmm. traveling with, right? Yep. So I'm assuming a phone. And this was it. At what point did you start to realize that the world? outside, right, the world you came back to, mm-hmm. had kind of drifted away and that you weren't checking your phone, that you weren't taking the pictures or sending people texts or getting to a point of that like trail contentment mm-hmm. of just being present, right? At what point did you find that? Did you find that like day two or was it about a month in or, you know? I actually that's I hadn't really thought of that. Um, I don't really like it was early. Well, the reason I ask, right. So I'm noticing in the creative world, right, photographers, videographers, authors, everyone's pretty burnt out by having to be attached to their phone all the time. If it's not just for client stuff, which is perfectly viable, it's this 
world of content creation that we've gotten into where you have to dance monkey, right? You have to put out a reel or you have to put out a post and it becomes overwhelming. And it, I mean, I know it's really contributed to me having bad days thinking about the fact that if I don't stay relevant in someone else's eyes, Mm -hmm. then I'm not doing enough Mm -hmm. for my business. I feel perfectly fine with what I create, but I feel like, oh, well, I did a TikTok. Now I have to do a reel and it can't really be the same thing. But, you know, the demographic on Facebook is different. So let me go over there and do that. And then I have to send a newsletter and I have all the marketing stuff for a business, (laughs) right? Especially as a solopreneur. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of gone by my ass to get to my elbow on this. But at what point when you came back, did you feel like, yeah, this is not for me, like... Oh, like day one. Like day one. Yeah. So I'd say probably, like, two weeks into the trail was when I just... I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't... That's awesome. Like, I, I kept a very basic blog just to let my dad know that I wasn't dead. Sure. I didn't keep up with it as much as I thought I would because at the end of the day, like, you get to camp and you're, you're with other hikers and you just want to talk and be present and you don't want to be distracted by a phone. Um, so it would be like I would get a call from my dad and get a, get a message from him being like, my friends are reaching out to me asking if you're okay. Can you update your blog, please? I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Okay, yep. Oh, yeah, I have to do that just to like let people sure. know that I'm still alive. But I'd say probably two weeks in, I I hated. I hated updating it. I hated having it out. I hated having just looking at things through a, a viewfinder and not with my own eyes. Um, any that's like carried over now. Like I, I personally think that social media is a poison. I have stopped it with my business. I have stopped it pretty much personally. Um, it's just it's all advertising, yeah. and you're just bombarded by whether it's like targeted ads or, you know, and I did this in my business. I I was very successful in my business because I was so active on Instagram. That's how I got the majority of my leads. And it's all an advertisement. It's all marketing. And I, it's like, I, the world is just so full of you need this, buy this. You, you can't be at this status unless you have this. And it's just gross. And I hate it. <laughs> and I don't want to participate in it anymore. So basically, I am a tinfoil hat wearing hippie now. And I just... Yeah. Yeah. There's an air of granola <laughs> in here that wasn't here before. It's more of oh, a. Oh, no. That's, that's Arm and Hammer deal right, right there. That's, that's the Tom's of I'm Maine. I'm surprised right there. it's not like just a crystal that you rub under there I every mean, now and again. Citrine. We're, we're getting there. Citrine. Yeah. <laughs> Make the money, baby. Yeah. Um, so it's really it's fascinating to me, right? Because I feel trapped in this world, mm-hmm. right? And, but I know I've said to you before, when I get on the road, that's where I'm happiest, mm-hmm. right? Where I'm in my car. And I don't know, I've been reading more about ADHD and things that calm that ADHD brain. And I'm finding it common that a lot of people get on the road because there isn't all the distraction, all the input, the sensory overload. And so hearing about this peace and contentment that you find on the trail, it's not that much different than what I find when I'm driving 13, 17 hours at a clip because it does take you away from everything. Mm -hmm. The best thing that ever happens is when I happen to look at the phone and there's no bars of service. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. because I can ride that excuse for a couple of days. Oh, I've just been in a place with no service. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's wonderfully freeing. So tell me about some of the folks that you met. There's gotta be two or three standout stories, right? Was there one person, one interaction that you had, something that you witnessed that really started to change your mindset and give you new direction on what you wanted to do for your business or creatively or just with life in general? Was there one thing? I I don't think there was one thing. Yeah. Um, there, you know, I met so many amazing people yeah. on the trip. You know, and a handful of them I'm, I still keep in touch with. Um, you know, even though I started by myself, you're never really by yourself. You're just always, you're, you're, you can be surrounded by as many people as you want or by nobody. You can stay pretty remote. So I met a great group of people that were in my, my bubble, as they call it. Um, and sometimes I would hike several days with them and other times, you know, it would be a couple weeks and then I'd see them again. There wasn't a particular person that mm. made me shift in my mindset. I think 
it was the ability to be in my own mind, just completely and utterly removed from distractions, from work distractions, from relationship distractions, no matter what that looks like, from the media, from advertising. Like, you are just completely and utterly removed. And I was able to be in my own head for five and a half months, which sounds exhausting, and it kind of was. Mm -hmm. But it was like, at home, I hadn't had the ability to really think and process through, like, just a number of things, whether it's work or personal or all of that. Because you are so distracted, there's always someone that needs something. You have a client that needs something. You've got, you know, you have all these obligations. And my only obligation every day was to find water and eat <laughs> and find my camp for the for the night. And I didn't distract myself with audiobooks or music. I only allowed myself to listen to music on days where it was raining because I fucking hate the rain. Picked a great year to hike the AT. Um, but I just, there was so much that I thought that I had like processed and thought that I had like worked through already, but it's, I really hadn't. But having that five and a half months to think of everything was awesome. And that's, I think that's what got me to where I am now with my business kind of tapering off on the video side and trying to shift and go in a few other directions. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. So I know um, you went from being super successful, not that you aren't now, like I don't want it to sound like I that. I mean like, But you know, in terms of income coming <laughs> mm -hmm. in, right? You were doing really well for yourself, took that time off. I've got to believe that um, hiking the trail is not a cheap thing to do. Um, you know, even if you have very little gear, it's just, the fact that you're walking from Georgia to Maine and you got to buy food and shoes and stuff along the way, right? Mm -hmm. So I got to believe that that was a little bit expensive. Did you come up with an idea on the trail to totally change what you were doing when you got back, knowing that you're going to have to do something to work? Was there anything that you were attracted to or did you have a bright idea on the trail or because your outlook changed? Were you just like, I'm just going to take whatever comes my way and live the life of Cain and wander the earth? Yeah, so I had an idea in my head for the past few years. Basically, what st what started it was um, I filmed a wedding, mm -hmm. very high in luxury. After the event, I am watching them throw $200,000 worth of florals in the garbage, like dumpsters. $200,000 in flowers that going in the trash. Me. That astounds me. It's Yeah, it astounded me too. And it, it just, I mean, I, I see it at every event. Um, you know, I saw it at, at my own wedding mm -hmm. that, um, you know, to just go back the next day and see them throw these flowers in the trash. And it just never, it never occurred. Like, I just never thought of it. Like, what happens to these? There's They're going to be blooming for the next two weeks. Why are these now immediately going in the trash? And it made me sick then. It made me sick in 2022 seeing an astronomical amount of money basically just going in the garbage. So I, I sat on the idea for a while of, like, maybe I start a 501c3 mm -hmm. and repurpose florals from weddings and events and do that. <laughs> so I'm, you know, hopefully by the time this gets published, the IRS would have approved my 501c3 filings. Um, but I did file the paperwork at the beginning of January and hopefully... Hopefully, it says it's 60% through the proce application process, so hopefully that that becomes a thing. So that's I, just seeing so much waste in the wedding industry. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Right. So I'm trying to find w ways where at the end of an event, I can feel good about the work that I've done. Never having shot a wedding outside of doing a little second shooting for you, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but weddings were never my thing, and I knew that from the get-go seeing what wedding the wedding industry was like prior to COVID and then post-COVID, do you feel like there's been a big shift or more awareness about that level of waste? Or is it just kind of back to normal? I've talked to a couple of wedding photographers and they've said that the entire process has changed for them a little bit in terms of the couples waiting longer, having something smaller, less intricate. There's more sensitivity to the waste and the money that's being spent and doing better things. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's a trend that's continuing or is it just back to business as usual and high ticket weddings are just wasteful? What are you seeing? Um, I think 
like in a certain wedding market, um, you are seeing that. So in the the folks with the more realistic to you and I budgets, um, you definitely do see that. You know, you see more micro weddings, more elopements, you know, with a certain demographic, there is, you know, they're prioritizing just having a experiences with a smaller group of people. But then in the high-end luxury market, no one was really impacted by any type, by COVID, by the recession, by or potential recession, <laughs> whatever politics. Um, but there's a certain demographic, like the high-end luxury market is not going to be impacted by any of that. Sure. So I didn't, when I was working those events, there, there was no expense, you know, like it was just... Maybe you know, right. we're going to spend $1.5 million on lodging alone, yeah. not including anything else. It's so a it, world beyond most people's world, right? Yeah, yeah. but very much beyond mine. <laughs> so let's talk about the 501c3, repurposing flowers. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? I mean, I can understand food waste, perhaps, but like catering, but how do you repurpose flowers? So the company is called After Party. Mm-hmm. My approach to all of this is... Um, so couples can reach out to me or planners or florists themselves if they want to work this into into their own business offerings. They reach out to me. I give them a quote of the amount of a donation they will need um, in order for me to repurpose their florals. So the amount that they would have to spend with After Party is based off of the number of floral arrangements, the size of them, and the location of their venue. And with that information, I then send them a quote and say, this is the donation amount that is necessary in order for us to work with you. Mm-hmm. We get that. At the end of the wedding night, we will take, come down, collect the florals, not the vessels that they come in because they would, you know, those belong to the sure. florists and the planners and rentals and all of that. We collect those. We we'll, we would be doing collections on Friday and Saturdays. And then on Sundays, um, they will be going to a donation-based market, if you will. So then the couple can name another nonprofit that they would like to benefit from this market. So After Party will be able to accept pass-through donations on behalf of this other 501c3. So basically all the – whatever sells at this market – 75% 75% will go to the 501c3 of whatever couple's choice mm-hmm. is. And then 25% will be retained by after party to keep the business going. And then whatever doesn't leave at this market, mm-hmm. we then repurpose to hospitals, hospice, shelters, and other other local establishments like that. So, That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's all, you know, 501c3. These yeah. are all donations are tax deductible. So. That's amazing. Like it's it's such a it's a, such an innovative idea that combines so many of what I've heard you talk about as your values and your beliefs, right? And I had a conversation recently with a woman who was talking about how she works with value-based businesses and and belief-based businesses rather than just capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. Big capital C. So it sounds like you really had this this shift from I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a solopreneur, I've got this successful video business and I'm making a living for myself to something that is much more value-based and that feels good to you rather than just being part of the system, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you had something perfect in mind, right? So you've got a million wedding and they've got $200,000 in florals and couple comes and they make this donation and you go down and you bring all this back. Tell me more about this market. Mm -hmm. So is it a physical market in Portland? Is it a kind of a virtual marketplace that you're just coordinating things online and redistributing or can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so right now I have partnered with Maine Studio Works, mm-hmm. which is um, it's a new not only event space in Portland, but it's a video photo it's production house. It's, it's gorgeous. It's eight thousand square yeah. feet of of fun. It's just a, it's just a big industrial space yeah. in the East Bayside neighborhood of Portland. Mm-hmm. Zach Bowen is uh, we're actually we're now co owners in that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing uh, photographer. Yeah, he's Amazing. he's super talented. But we're going to be on Sundays hosting 
hosting the uh, the markets there because it's in this it's in the neighborhood of all the breweries. Yeah. It's in like like Brewery Alley in Portland. So when people are out walking walking around on a Sunday, um, we're just we're just right on the way. So um, we'll be hosting that there once. As long as the old IRS gives me approval for all of this. <laughs> that's all going to happen. It always happens. It will. It will happen. But that's that's the plan on, on the location of that. Sure. And then it would just be for a few hours every Sunday. Donations will be made in the name of after party. Mm-hmm. But then we just, we will just, whatever we collect, 75% will go right. towards that other charity. Yeah. And then we retain the 25% just as to keep a roof over our heads and keep the business going. So it's kind of like this really cool floral farmer's market, mm-hmm. right? Now, are you going to, and I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, all right, what's your business plan? And let's dig into it. And what, what else can we do, mm-hmm. right? Always so helpful I am. <laughs> are you going to partner with other 501c3s kind of in this space? Or are you pioneering this in what you know in the, the wedding space? Is this really new or is there a model like this anywhere else that you've seen? Um, There are other businesses that do repurpose florals, but um, the closest market to us is in Boston Um, and they're called the Reflower Project and they've they've been around since I think 2015 or 2018. And a lot of the other floral repurposing um, businesses that are around the country, all they do is they just collect and then redistribute. There is no market to benefit another nonprofit. And I was just thinking, you know, how can I make this a little bit different? But Mm -hmm. then also, how can I use this business to also benefit the community, the local Mm -hmm. community, other nonprofits, other charities, you know, how, how else can I be of service to others? So that's kind of where this whole market stems from. And I love that. I mean, you're maximizing at every turn what you can do mm-hmm. um, with these florals and give back to the community and support yourself and feel good and sleep at night, right? I'd love to see this grow to a place where you're bringing in, you know, other charities, other 501c3s that are working at that same market, right? Mm-hmm. And doing the same thing. Is there a plan for that to include other other organizations on that Sunday at Main Studio Works to come in and participate in that as well, if they are aligned with the same sort of values that you have? Uh, that has not crossed my mind. Yeah. Um, we were, like, I was just I'll, planning I'll on... send you a, a, an invoice for <laughs> okay. that. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> at this point, it's just, I'm only going to have the capacity to work with it in what I'm conjuring up right now. Yeah, one thing at a time. I. <laughs> Let me tell you how you should run your business that I know nothing about. <laughs> let, let me do that for you. Let me mansplain to you for oh, a little bit. Could, could you? Could I, could I please? <laughs> Good Lord, I hear myself sometimes no. and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. But, you know, it, it does get my mind thinking a lot more about how anybody can use their business to benefit the community, to serve a little bit more, to get back to what's kind of really important. And I think that's one of the big things that came out of the pandemic for a lot of people was most of the shit that we deal with day in and day out just doesn't matter, right? I saw this a lot in the corporate space where you have people that are quiet quitting or they're just basically saying, I'm going to work the bare minimum because you're paying me the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And as many issues as Gen X has with Gen Z, I think there was this thought revolution that happened that really made people look at things differently. What I'm seeing is more of more of the solopreneurs and entrepreneurs wanting to do more but not knowing what to do. I want to give back, but I don't want to just give my money to a charity where I don't know where it's going to go or how it's going to be distributed or it's going to pay the the CEO of that nonprofit a million dollars a year, which isn't really that much different than anything else. So have you worked with anybody else in the industry that is doing, or maybe outside of the industry, right? I know Main Studio Works is, is connected to a lot of folks. Are you seeing that this is a, a trend with businesses as well that want to give back a little bit more rather than just writing a check to some charity? 
are you seeing activity from businesses that are trying to do more down in Portland? I mean, I'm, I'm here. We don't have a lot here. Mm-hmm. So what are you seeing in Portland? At least in the wedding industry, I know that there are a number of businesses where a certain percentage of their profits, um, they donate like 2% of their mm-hmm. profits goes towards a particular charity of their choice. Mm-hmm. Even just with the repurposing of florals, I've there is a demand for it. I've seen, you know, like last season, a few people heard that I was like maybe gonna start something. So they reached out to me to let me know like, hey, I've got a client that wants to do something with their flowers. Are you in a position to do that? I'm like, not, I didn't have the bandwidth to tackle something like that at the time. So I'm like, there's demand for it. And it's, which is good. That means that couples are thinking about what happens after the event, you know, um, and how they can, help contribute towards, you know, less landfill waste, you know, and just all all of that. All right. I'm going to bring it back around to something that we talked about earlier. Cool. You're going to have to market this. You're going to have to do something online, Mm -hmm. social media, right? That becomes Mm -hmm. the big thing, right? It's such an amazing idea that I think is going to resonate with so many people, knowing that that causes a visceral spinal reaction in you. As you start to talk about this and educate people. What is it that you're going to need right now that people might be able to help with? Is it spreading the word, right? Once the IRS gives you all the paperwork, right? Is it education? Is it talking to planners or couples? Where do you see the most direct route for getting this out there as a model? Really just networking. Um, I've built up a wonderful network in the wedding industry in Maine and in New England. So it's just letting those, letting, letting my, my peers know that, hey, I'm, this part of my business is going away this year and I'm starting this. I've had great support from several planners, some, several florists. There are already people in the industry that are supportive of what I'm doing and want to see this Mm come to fruition, not just for me, but just as an option for people that are getting, you know, just to not have more shit end up in the trash and yeah. all that, you know? It's, it's fascinating to me what happens in the wedding industry. Again, I'm an outside observer, mm-hmm. right? And you've got this amazing network, not only in Maine, but in New England, like you said. I've got to believe that there's going to be a lot of, you know, duh, why didn't I think of that sort of mm-hmm. stuff? I think it could really become a model that's used nationwide, mm-hmm. right? And thinking about that growth and what's going to go into that, what keeps you up at night? What like oh, what, nothing. What... I, I, I rip a bowl before bed and I am out like a light. I just... <laughs> Sorry, just kidding, kind of. No. <laughs> I'm on the train. High five. Yeah. So um, are you apprehensive about it growing too fast too quickly is it just you don't know what you don't know does that excite you does it make you nervous right this is brand new for you in every regard Mm -hmm. i know you're kind of crazy plant lady but you know in terms of florals Mm -hmm. it's not like you've been a florist for 20 years true right yeah so what what causes you that little anxiety forget about the business and the money and all that are there any parts of the business that like you're like i gotta i gotta learn that and fast yeah I mean, that, that's that goes with any business yeah. that anybody starts is you get into it and like, I, I know I I know nothing. Yeah. And I am here to learn all of that. I've reached out to a few of my floor um, florists yeah. friends just to be like, hey, I will volunteer to help you break down an event. That's awesome. So that way I know the process. I know like I can pick their brains about the most like effective ways to break down an event, things that I might not have even thought of that they know just after years of experience doing it. So I will be volunteering my time and service to a few friends this summer just to like get my hands, get in face first and and learn that process of it. Is it your fucked feet? Oh God, they hurt so bad. <laughs> so tell me, tell, so tell me about that, right? I see you're wearing slippers and I've seen you wear nothing oh, I but. I got foot beds in them too. All right. I got... Well, we don't have to look at your feet. Thank sure. God this no, is just I charge, audio. I charge a premium for I charge that a premium service for that. on feetfinder.com. <laughs> am I joking or am I not? You don't know. I know you're not. So <laughs> speaking about your feet and kind of going back to the trail, you're in, you've always been a great hiker, always been in great shape, super athlete. 
why what happened on the trail with your feet like is it just the repetitive 10 20 miles a day i mean is that it is that you have just terrible feet like what's the well what I, happened what happened was i walked 2198.4 miles it's kind of a dumb question what happens <laughs> yeah no it just that, that'll that'll do it. Yeah. Um, no, I had plantar fasciitis in one foot already, and I I evened it out yeah. a little bit. Um, so I have it in both feet now. But that's the most common injury among through hikers. It's not a permanent thing. I can't imagine. God, I hope not. Yeah. Uh, but no, I I have to do exercises every morning, certain stretches. I have so much energy. I just I I started working out again, and yeah. I started running again. And I'm in the gym like five days a week running, and I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't be, but yeah. fuck it, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> What's the next big thing you're doing? Well, I guess, I guess I'd say this year, and it's, I'm sure, the business, but mm -hmm. is that the big scary thing that you're doing this year? That is. The big scary thing is closing my business after 16 years. So I am taking on weddings, mm -hmm. this uh, filming weddings. So I'm doing my last year different. Before I had a set price, like, here is my minimum. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Like, the high-end luxury wedding mm -hmm. video. Mm -hmm. As the world moves to more video. I got to believe there's high demand for it. So mm -hmm. where were your where were your prices, right? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing now? So in 2022, um my I had like a a base minimum of I it's my pricing structures kind of switched. Mm -hmm. They changed quite a bit. Sure. But um, at one point, my starting rate was ninety five hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was my base minimum package, and then you could get add ons from there. In twenty twenty two, my average wedding was right was about not at that ninety five hundred mark. Sure. Um, and this year, I am not putting. I'm I'm telling couples like if you prioritize human connection over Pinterest boards. Like if you want something that will stand the test of time over something that'll live on social media for 15 seconds. I want to work with couples that have similar values as I do as far as video content goes, where it's not to be showboaty and show off and look at, you know, look at how much money I spent on my wedding right. type of situation over, thank you for preserving this because this is a family heirloom that you know we can pass on to for generations so i'm not limiting i'm not, i'm working with all budgets so i have one couple they booked for a thousand dollars and it's it's you know i'm only shooting their ceremony but then i have another couple they did book at ninety five hundred dollars mm -hmm. and i'm shooting two days mm -hmm. so i'm working with everything like from you know I'm working the entire spectrum of budgets because I want to work with people that that I can relate to yeah. and I don't want people to be limited on having quality video coverage just because they they can't afford it. Again, it comes back to that alignment with what you want out of life and you want to connect with people that are in that same mm -hmm. bubble and that same yep. level of alignment mm -hmm. with how they see the world. Now, I've always seen you and I hold you up as kind of the standard for storytelling when I'm talking about video because over the years I've seen you tell phenomenal stories and you're relatively for a video production company you've run things pretty run and gun right it's like typically you and a second shooter and you know two three four cameras maybe but it's generally you know a smaller operation but the stories that come out are just astounding to me are you always planning on telling stories that way do you have a do you have a thought of incorporating video with after party and telling your story like do those documentary wheels turn and how can i use the skills that i have that i'm no longer using in the wedding industry how can i tell that same story for you know what i'm doing over here now is there any plan for that do you have that story already forming in your mind how you're going to how you're going to tell it i mean it's less of a story and more of like marketing talk i guess sure. like i'm keeping all my camera gear like sure. i'm gonna i'm going to stay behind the camera mm -hmm. um but it's to be able to you know put video messages out there but like who i am yeah. why i'm doing this and that's um, why i'm here peppering you with questions i know and putting my gosh you on the spot. shit i gotta think about that now too Fuck. well you know no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of no i'm gonna relate it to my <laughs> own business right and one of the things that a lot of people 
look at when they're researching photography is your website, right? And I hear from a lot of people that the videos that I've put on my website, where it's just me talking about the process, have been a huge help. When I was making those videos, it was all about, this is just me. This I want people to be able to see me, hear me, understand who I am before they ever call me or send an inquiry because it helps weed out the, you know, the, the folks that either don't connect with me or just don't vibe or whatnot. It's become such a critical part of messaging. I'd love to see like how you create this and what you're thinking about in terms of going to a wedding after the fact and shooting the waste, seeing mm. what's there. Oh, right? that's, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Shooting mm -hmm. the waste. This is what's been going on. Mm -hmm. um, this is why I am the way that I am. These mm -hmm. are the beliefs that I have. It's that customer education mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, promoting the company. And I, I can't wait to see what you come up with because I know how your storytelling brain works. And like you see the world in this B-roll and know exactly the audio that you're going to put over it. And it fascinates me. I'd love to see what you're creating there. Now, do you feel like you have to create like a, I don't want to say a Kickstarter promo video, but is there anything in the works for that initial marketing? I have someone working on the website already. Got it. Um, and there will be video pieces that are on there, but it's, it's going to be more like the two camera setup of sure. me talking about why, why I'm doing it, how like how it works, yeah. just go through the process of, of, you know, what people can expect when they, they work with me. It's a big shift. Mm -hmm. And when you do a huge physical event like the AT and you spend all this time in your own head, now that you're back here and you're putting it all into practice, does it line up with what you created in your head on the trail? Are you like bringing that to fruition? Or are you finding that in reality again? that it's different than what you had pictured? Or are you just adamantly going towards your goal? I think either one is fine. I'm just curious as to what you're finding now that the rubber's hitting the road. I didn't necessarily know, like think that it would go one way or the other um, between having this be my last year filming weddings, mm -hmm. getting this nonprofit started, and hopefully I'll get the paperwork back soon so I can really hit the ground running. I haven't really been able to do a whole lot with it yeah. until I get that approved status. Sure. So I'm, I've taken over the event side of Main Studio Works. So also creating the marketing materials and getting the word out that Main Studio Works is not only available just for, for photographers and videographers mm. as a production studio. Sure. I have three things going on. They're not crazy busy, but with all three things combined, it's, it's, I'm, it's keeping, it's keeping me, keeping me busy. How do you feel giving up the video side? I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you're going to, to miss it at all? Um, some aspects. Yes. Like I, I'll probably still keep some of my clients, uh, a few of them. Um, and I'll probably still second shoot for some of my friends' mm -hmm. companies around New England. Um, I just, I'm very excited for something different. I found like every 15 years or so, I need to do something different. Like yeah. I did broadcast for 15 years. I've had my business for 16 years. Like, all right, it's time, time for something new. And so I'm really excited about whatever this new thing is, um, you know, between the events at Me and Studio Works and after party with the event, repurposing event florals, and then just letting go of SP, um, yeah. SP Films. I'm happy I was able to bring SP Films to the level that it got to. But it's also so fucking exhausting to try to keep up with everything in the video market. Like, as soon as you get a whole new camera set up, it's like, well, that's outdated. Now you need 8K. And right. I'm like, people are watching this on their phones. Right. Like, sorry. No, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm I like so bitter and just, no, I'm not bitter, but so, I'm So <laughs> the listeners don't know, but you taught me everything that I know about video. Taught me how to tell stories, taught me how to run production, taught me how to edit, right? Over the years, you've been this incredible mentor for me. You've also been very strong in your beliefs about what people need and what they don't. Mm -hmm. And been because of your frugal nature, don't love to see people overspend, mm -hmm. right? You don't need 8K if it's a backyard wedding, right? And necessarily, depends on the backyard, I suppose. But I think you're very, you're very good about giving people 
the best possible product for what they not only pay for, but what they want. Like you listen to the customer, your customer service has always been off the charts. Is there anything that you're seeing, like in the video space, you're just talking about like instant obsolescence, mm -hmm. right? Are you seeing anything that's just like, that's overkill. If you're hearing this from a videography company, like you might want to look elsewhere. Everyone runs their business the way that they want to run their business. That's, and a, very, I, that's a very diplomatic answer. Well, no, like yeah. I, I do. I applaud people. Like, you know, I do things differently than a lot of people. Like yeah. I, you know, and I think that's that's the beauty of having your own business is you can run it however you want to. Yeah, if you want to focus on TikTok videos and like just shoot a wedding strictly with social media in mind, like mm -hmm. go for it. I applaud you. Like that's your thing. Right. And that's beautiful that that's your thing. That's not my thing. And just because I think your thing is poison doesn't mean that I'm right. Like, you know, it's. <laughs> let, me, let me liken it to this. Okay. Right. So I'm never going to put you on the spot and be like, name names. Yeah. In the photography world, a lot of times I see people chasing gear, mm -hmm. the business owners chasing gear. Mm -hmm. If I just get the R5, I'll be a better photographer. Mm -hmm. If I just get the Sony FX Alpha 9000, mm -hmm. I'll just be a better photographer. Mm -hmm. I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. When it comes to telling a story, right? I've seen you work with gear that is not 8K mm -hmm. um, and you're able to craft these beautiful pieces. Do you feel like the art of storytelling is being lost to technology? I do. I definitely do that, you know, especially with young, the younger, younger crowd that's getting into the wedding film industry. I've heard from a lot of people that they're shooting these events only with a quick highlight reel in mind. Mm. Like, so they're not shooting the entire ceremony. They're not shooting these events in their entirety. They are doing it specifically for certain shots. Mm. And they're not thinking of the big picture down the line. Like, so when the bride's mother passes away years down the road, and she's like, hey, I, you know what? I didn't purchase this at the time, but I would really love her toast that she made. Oh, we didn't capture that because right. that wasn't any content that would make this quick highlight reel. So like I've seen that and I've heard that people come and they hire a videographer and they get this beautiful highlight reel and it's like, oh, this is great. I would love more. Well, we didn't shoot for more because you didn't purchase more. Got it. So it's like these people that are coming up in the industry, like you have to shoot these events as if you're putting to, as if the client is getting everything. Even if they're only getting a two minute highlight, you have to film all of it and you have to film all of it well to the like to the best of your ability because also it allows you to upsell mm -hmm. after the event. Um, you know, like a lot of couples, they don't receive. You know, they get funds, they get they get money from friends and family as a gift for their wedding. So the money that they didn't have before the event, where they had to have a more frugal budget, now they have this abundance of cash after the wedding. Like, oh, now we can purchase that longer highlight. But if their videographer is like, well, you didn't buy that. You only got the sizzle reel, so I don't even have that content. It's like, well, you've just done them a huge disservice yeah. and you have lost those memories for them. Right. So that's something I, I've heard of happening in the industry and also just, you know, people so focused on getting, you know, having that gimbal shot and like following you down the aisle and this and that. And it's like, you're an eyesore. Like, you know, there are other ways to capture moments without being a focal point. It's of not about the, you. It's not about you. And that just comes down to experience. Sure. And I think there's, I think that nails it, right? Mm -hmm. So I've seen the weddings that I've gone to you never even notice the photographer and the videographer. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones where I was like, they're the pros. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that just fade into it. But then you see what they captured afterwards. And it's like, oh, yeah, they were totally yeah. worth the money. Mm -hmm. And then you see exactly that. Someone flying a drone right over the couple at the moment of the first kiss. And mm -hmm. you're like, really? It's a flying lawnmower. What, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but it's this thought that if I can just make this highlight the scissor reel that's just fire, then I'm going to be able to get higher ticket clients and grow. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's a very um, entrepreneur bro way of approaching a business. Again, like you said, I don't care how you run your business. The lost art is not only the storytelling, but it's the customer service and why we do what we do. I know I get a lot of times, you know, I try to, I try to sell portraiture because there's a legacy involved in it. 
I had a I had a client of mine recently pass away very suddenly, and we had done a session uh, about a year and a half ago, and we were great. We kept in contact, and then I hadn't heard from her for a while, and then I I saw the obituary, and it floored me, and I reached out to her daughter and said, hey, you know, here are all the images that we shot. I don't know what she provided to you, but I want you to have these, right? And she was so thankful because we also did a video interview while she was here and that had never been published, that, you know, I had never even shown her. And it was her mom telling this whole story about how much she loved her kids and all the things that she was going through and why she was doing this photo shoot and had never seen the light of day. And I sent that to her as well because that to me is far more important than a dollar, right? I would rather do that and make someone feel really good than being like, I'm, I, you know, my condolences, if you would like these photos, it would be $1,500. Mm-hmm. I just, that, that makes my skin crawl. And I'm seeing that that customer service art is missing these days. There's the chasing the dollar versus creating that legacy, creating the memories, right? We don't just push buttons for social media likes and vanity metrics. Mm -hmm. We do it to help people preserve these memories, right? We're not around all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I'm noticing it as well. And I'm about to head out to WPPI in a couple of weeks and it's one thing that I, I'm always looking for when I get into conversations with other photographers. Where's their heart space? Mm-hmm. Why are they doing what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Is it because they're bored? Or is it because they do want to serve and give back? Because they do understand the impact of what creators create and the visuals that we create and the memories that we create. I love that you're seeing that. And I love that you're staying in your place of integrity with not only your own business, but how you're talking about it to other folks as well. You've forgotten more than I'll ever know about shooting video in the wedding industry. And you've got a stellar reputation. I would love to bring you back once we get to a point where you have some time in your hands and you want to come back and talk about that and you're out of the industry a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'd love to dig in and hear some of the stories Mm -hmm. and what you would advise people to do. Any interest in coming back? Yeah, I can do that. Cool. Cool. This has been amazing. Now, I don't know if I gave you anything that you can use on this podcast or like Godspeed in the editing process because this this goes a little bit. But that's what this all is, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people come on the podcast and they're like, you know, what should I say? What should we talk about? I don't care. The whole reason I started Generator was there's a lot of podcasts out there that only focus on your business, your process, your system, the the media packet, right? I don't want that. I want to hear you stumble over words. I want to hear you talk from the heart. I want to get to know you a little bit more. And I want anybody that's listening to get to know my guests a little bit more. The behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. This is why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Hearing this story in the detail that you've given it to me, um, you know, I've, I've known a little bit about what you were doing, but I never knew really the intricacies of it. I can only imagine that this is going to be a huge success. Fingers crossed. Right. <laughs> so immediately in the future, I know you're waiting for some paperwork to come back. What can people do to find out more about what you're doing? Or is there a date when you might have some more information available? government depending, but how can they get in touch with you if, you know, people are listening to this and they want to be involved or want to help, or maybe they're a couple that is thinking about doing this? How do they get in touch with you? Um, At this point, I'm waiting for all paperwork to come back before I launch the Instagram, before I launch the website, before I, anything hits the public facing front. Um, I just, I need to wait for that little bit of information from mm-hmm. the IRS. But if people are interested in either video or floral redistribution or, you know, events at Main Studio Works, Nora at sp-films.com uh, or events at mainstudioworks.com. Those are, those are my two active emails. Um, so people can reach out there. Get a mailing list going for this. 
I know, I know. I'm you're, not going to. You're gonna have to. Oh, I delete all my emails. Hire the, someone. Oh, I, someday, someday. I love this new side of you. That's just, oh, I just that that has to do business but hates business. Oh. I, I love it. You're part of the machine, but you're looking for a way out. Oh, and get I me the fuck out. <laughs> no, just kidding. Kind no, of. No, no I think it's good. a it's a common sentiment that a lot mm-hmm. of people have, and I love the fact that you're walking the walk and following that dream, the big scary dream. A lot of people don't ever do it, and you do it year after year after year, and that that's impressive as hell. Yeah, I'm a psychopath, yeah. that's fine. Well, that's one of the words. <laughs> thanks for being here. Thanks. Hey there, can I ask you a favor? If you're loving every minute of the show, and I hope you are, then subscribing is like becoming an honorary member of an exclusive club. Subscribing means you'll never miss a single episode, and trust me, you won't want to miss what I have in store. But here's the extra special request. I'd love it if you could take a moment to leave a five-star review. Your review is like a virtual high five. It lets me know I'm on the right track and helps others discover the show, too. Your feedback and support mean the world to me. I read each and every review, and they inspire me to keep bringing you the best content possible. So grab your phone and show some love with that five-star review. It's quick, it's easy, and it makes a huge difference. Thanks so much for being an amazing listener. Together, let's keep the conversations going. Subscribe, review, and let's make this podcast journey unforgettable.